Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I don't know if you realize it this morning, but the devil trades in the currency of fear. God trades in the currency of faith. And maybe you are bankrupt today. Because you're not trading in the right currency. I want to encourage you today, and I want to build up your faith and help you to overcome fear, because fear is extremely damaging in our lives. I was reading about some of the celebrities in the world, and Jennifer Aniston, Sher, Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg, you all know these people, they're what you call aviophobes, they are afraid of flying. They'd prefer to drive miles and get into, a motor, uh, get into an aeroplane because they're afraid. They fear, they are trading in fear, and as a result, can't enjoy air travel. Barbara Streisand is xenophobic. That, that, that doesn't mean she hates Zimbabweans. <laughs> it means to be uncomfortable around strangers. And uh, Michael Jackson was misophobic. That means he was afraid of contamination infections and and diseases, and long before masks were mandated, he was wearing a mask. I don't know if you remember that. And the celebrity with the most fears and phobias, it must be a terrible way to live, is Woody Allen. He's afraid of insects, sunshine, dogs, deers, bright lights, children, heights, small rooms, crowds, and finally cancer. Amazing. But you know what? You can be quite significant as a person and still have secret fears. George Washington, the great military a general was scared to death of being buried alive. It was one of the things that haunted him. And uh, Richard Nixon was uh, afraid of hospitals. He terrified of hospitals. And then Napoleon Bonaparte, that great military genius, was afraid of cats. It doesn't matter how big you are, or how tall you are, or how significant you are, fear lurks. And we're living in a country where fear is a currency that's being traded in. But God wants us to trade in faith because fear can kill you. I don't know if you realize that fear can kill you. I read a fascinating article from the National Library of Medicine in Los Angeles, and they did a whole study with individuals who they they analyzed, and they, they came to the conclusion that the great earthquake in San Francisco, you remember 1994, there was a terrible earthquake, They reckon over a hundred people that they surveyed after that died from fright during that earthquake. They didn't die from buildings falling on them. They died of fright. And the coroner said they had died what's called of sudden cardiac arrest when they had no symptoms of it before. Very interesting thing. They said the brain releases a mixture of chemicals when we are afraid. So potent it can cause our hearts to stop. They also examined 15 assault victims people who were assaulted who died, but their assaults, you know, the the injuries were not that bad, but they died of the assault because the primary thing was fear. And they said here, in examining the body, that when you're in fear, 11 of the 15 fibers in the heart can stretch and, and break and cause death. Did you know, this is interesting, that, that, that over a period of time, if you leave it long enough, fear will kill you, because they discovered that a cat, when it puts its paw on a mouse's tail, the mouse will die after 20 minutes, even though the cat hasn't bitten it or done anything to it. Just the fact that it's got it will cause the mouse to die. I believe that's what fear can do to us. And we're living in a country where fear is rife, and I do believe that we need what is, 
what's, what, what he's able to counter it in these fearful times. I want to begin a series, and I'll continue after Pastor Kevin has been. We'll look at it for a good few weeks because I believe we desperately need this. I want to do a series called Living a Life of Ever-Increasing Faith. Living a life of ever-increasing faith because our faith is diminishing. It's being eroded. And I want to challenge you today. Where is your faith? And if it's weak, it can be strengthened. Eric Fromm, the German author and psychologist, said this. He said, without faith, man becomes sterile, hopeless, and afraid to the very core of his being. I believe that's happening to many people, even in this room. We're becoming sterile, unproductive, weak, and afraid. Victor Raymond Edmond, he wrote a book called Never Doubt in the Dark, What God's Told You in the Light. He says, faith makes the outlook good the outlook bright, the inlook favorable, and the future glorious. How many want to live like that? Full of faith, fully expecting. But we've got to question ourselves. What's the level of our faith today? Is it waning? Are we putting it in people? Are we putting it in circumstances? Are we putting it in a government that is failing us? Where is our faith, and what are we doing? And Jesus asked his disciples the same question when they were faced with fear. I want us to read here from Luke chapter 8 as our introductory scripture. And then we're going to look at seven powerful facts about faith that I hope will encourage us today. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. One day, Jesus said, that's key. Jesus said, when Jesus speaks, pay attention and believe it. Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. He pointed where they were heading. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. And we don't use that word anymore, but it's a terrible storm. Gusting winds, but like a hurricane. And uh, so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. Why don't you just pause there for a moment. This was not like, whoo, this is quite something. Eh? The Bible declares the facts. They were in great danger. In South Africa, we are in great danger. This is not like, well, you just need to be positive. No, wherever you go, they steal your phone. They steal your money. I get emails from the bank every week telling me, watch out for this scam. Watch out for that scam. This is what they're doing. Don't draw large amounts of money. You've got to look over your shoulder at every stop street, every traffic light you come to. Fear is a reality and the danger is a reality. But Jesus has said, Jesus has said, and we belong to him. And no matter what happens, we can't live in fear. You say, well, I've seen Christians die. It doesn't matter. We don't live in fear. We live in faith. Our life is hid with Christ in God. It says the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. Notice that. Raging waters, the storm subsided and all was calm. And then he asks a question, which he's asking of us today. Where is your faith. What level is it at? What, what strength is it at? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this? He commands even the wind and the waters, and they obey him. Listen, Jesus is still in charge. He's still in charge, even though it looks like the world is heading for chaos. He's still in charge. And we need to believe that Jesus, what Jesus says is true. The promises of God are yes and amen. And we've got to increase our faith. Listen, he's in the boat with us despite the storm in our country. And if you're a believer this morning, Christ is in your life. He's in our country. He's not oblivious. He's got a greater purpose than you can imagine. He's got a greater purpose than comfort. 
And we mustn't measure God's presence by the level of comfort we're experiencing. And so where is your faith? Has it evaporated this morning? Is it weak? Has it been eroded? Are you putting it in the wrong people? Uh, the, 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 the disciples, when confronted with Jesus, recognized that they needed to increase their faith. Remember in Luke chapter 17, they admitted that they lacked faith. It says the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. This morning, you need to recognize if your faith is weak, Lord, increase my faith. I need to be in church for the next few weeks because, Lord, actually, if I'm honest, my faith is at quite a low ebb. Jesus actually said to Peter in Luke chapter 22, he said, I've prayed for you. Bear in mind, Peter is the leader of the disciples. I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. So you can be a leader, you can be a Napoleon Bonaparte, a George Washington, and your faith can fail because your fears overtake you. Where's your faith today? Can you increase it? I believe we should. We can live in ever-increasing faith. Heinrich Hein, the German poet, said this, human misery is too great for men to do without faith. We need faith right now. So let me give you seven powerful facts about faith. Number one, faith makes God happy. Do you realize faith makes God happy? Faith brings favor because God delights in faith. It's the greatest gift we can give to God is that we fully trust Him and we don't trust our circumstances. It, you see, when you have faith, what it says is God is bigger, God is better, God is greater than anything I'm going through or anything I'm feeling. God is greater than any temptation I can face. I trust Him and what He says. God delights in that. Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can, you can be a righteous person. You can give 20% uh, of your income. You can be a gifted giver. You can come to breakthrough offering and, and, and give so much money that it's scary. No, you need to have faith. That's why a breakthrough offering is not just giving money. It's money with faith. As we heard today, you need two things. You need to come to the altar and then you need to bring something with it and you show you believe God. And the Bible goes on to say, because anyone who comes to him must believe firstly that he exists. That's faith. Is there a God? And then notice this, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you expecting rewards? You should be living, believing that God is able because he is and that he'll reward you. But I just lost my job. Well, he's, you need to believe that he is and that he rewards. Well, I've just lost my husband. Well, you need to believe. I've just lost my child. You need to believe that he's good and that he rewards. And God can make up to us if we keep trusting him. You want to bring delight to the Lord? You need to have faith. Psalm 147, his pleasure is not in strong horses, nor his delight in brave soldiers, but he takes pleasure in those who honor him and those who trust in his constant love. We've got to believe that God is good and that he's there and that he wants to bless us, help us, and reward us. Can you say amen? amen. You want to make God happy? Trust him. Believe in him and have faith in him. Number two, faith can be increased or decreased. Faith is not static. It's not something you're just born with. It can either be increased or it can be decreased. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 8, a year of little faith. And then he spoke to the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew's gospel, and he says to a woman, you have great faith, your daughter is healed. You can have great, you can have little, you can have mediocre We've got to realize that faith is not static, but we've got to grow it. And I know what decreases faith, trials, storms, disappointments, loss, death, uh, diseases, sicknesses, 
people that hurt you, people in church, it can all reduce your faith. The disappointment of seeing leaders fail can cause you to give up on your faith, but you can increase your faith. You don't have to leave it where it is. Can you say amen? And the way to do it is very simple. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When you start getting doses of the Bible in, faith grows. You'd be surprised in the morning if you just stopped watching the news and read your Bible. You say, well, I don't know where to read. It's okay. Just don't go to Lamentations. Any other book, just take it and start reading. And you'd be astounded at what God will show you. You'll see the glory, the greatness, and the goodness of God coming out. But you've got to get enough in. Because faith comes by hearing. And in the fear we're living in, how many of you know that when you've got a vitamin deficiency, you've got to take vitamins? And sometimes, and I, 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 did, I read a whole thing on this and listened on the radio to Professor Chris Barnard years ago. He said that he, all these vitamins you people are buying, he was quite funny, you know, talk with that Afrikaans accent. All your vitamins you're buying, he says, it just gets, I can't use the word, it comes out in your... And it's the truth, because you, you, vitamins have got to be absorbed through food. You can't, when you lack them, now make up for them. But the Bible is funny. It can be absorbed, and you don't... It stays, because there's an absorption when you dose... Some of you need to dose yourself. You say, I don't know what's wrong with me. Dose yourself. It'll make God happy, and it'll increase your faith. And you can be strengthened. D.L. Moody said this, you know, the great Bible man, he left behind the Moody Bible Institute. And he says, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. We need to read the Word, church. Are you hearing me in Kailami this morning? We need to read and study and get dosed to make up for the deficiencies because when fear comes, it eats at the bread of the Word in our lives and it erodes it and we need to counter that by building ourselves up. It is a decision you make as you read the Bible whether you're going to believe it or not and the more you believe it, the greater the strength. You remember when Abraham was promised by God that he would have a child. Romans records his response to that. We read it in Genesis, but in Romans, it explains what Abraham did. And it says in Romans chapter 4, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. I love that. It's like the storm. There's the truth. There's a storm. It's bad. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. I reckon that's pretty dead. And that Sarah's womb was also dead. But there's a word there, yet. Yet he did not waver through what? Unbelief, regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he'd promised. How do you stay fully persuaded? You keep going to the promises. You keep reading the word in the face of negativity, doubt, and fear, you keep building your faith. 
And you go and find the word in an area that you're weak. If you're having financial challenges, go and read the Bible in the area of finances. If you're having a challenge in the area of health, you go and read in the area of health. If you're having a challenge in the area of protection, you go and read scriptures about God's protection. And you read about God's sovereignty. Because sometimes God allows certain things because he's got a greater plan. But you keep faith no matter what happens to you. You don't allow feelings because feelings will be like the, like the water that flushes out the vitamins. You've got to come and you've got to find that area and build your life up. No one need have weak faith. It can be increased. An anonymous quote, someone who said this said, he who feeds his faith will starve his doubts to death. Feed it today. Determine you're going home not just to have lunch, but to feed your faith. Because we need ever-increasing Number three, is this helping anyone this morning? Number three, faith unlocks the power of God. You say, well, prayer unlocks the power of God. Yes, it does, but faith firstly, before you even pray, you need faith. Otherwise, you can pray in unbelief. Oh, Lord, if you really care, I don't really know what you want. But maybe if I could have my house sold or I could get that job or if that's the car you want for me, no, you need a faith. Faith and prayer. But faith is the key that unlocks. In fact, sometimes faith on its own, without even praying specific prayers, can unlock the power of God. And I, I want to make it clear to you that faith unlocks both God's presence and God's power. Now, you know this passage, but I'm going to read it to you today because we need to home in on it. It's Luke chapter 8. And it's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. It says, a woman who had been there subject to bleeding for 12 years but no one could heal her. She came up behind him. I want you to notice that. She didn't come in front of him and go, it's me. Remember me? She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Someone downloaded something. My files show. In our language. Then the woman, seeing that she could uh, not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Well, why did you touch him? And, and how? Well, Jesus answers the question. Daughter, your faith has healed you, go in peace. Jesus didn't even know who she was. He didn't get a prayer request. Oh, is it Mabel? Mabel from South Road, Morningside? I know Mabel. Yeah, you can have it, Mabel. No, she came behind. Quick, download. Who touched me? The disciples are like, what? There's thousands of people at Rose Church. What do you mean? I saw faith. And faith unlocked it. You can be involved in all sorts of technicalities about prayer and five steps to prayer. Just have faith in God and lay hold of God. When you come to worship in the worship services, don't wait until we sing your favorite song. Just come in. Today I'm going to receive. Today God's going to touch me. Today I'm going out different than when I came in because God is good and he does good. And we can build ever-increasing faith 
We've got to believe that God can heal and wants to heal. And that God, listen, God is good. But everyone knows that. But is God good to me? That's what you need to believe. God is good and he will be good to me. Psalm 27. I love this because sometimes we, we think that in, in the future we will, we will be helped. But no, we need to believe this. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 27 verse 13. I remain confident of this. In other words, I'm not letting it decrease. I remain confident. I will see the goodness of the Lord where? In the land of the living. I'm going to stay full of faith because sooner or later God is good and he will be good to me. We need to unlock the power of God and it can be unlocked through faith. Number four, is this building you? I hope this is taking you up the stairs this morning and unlocking things in your mind and causing fruitfulness to abound. Faith lives expecting a better tomorrow. Many of the time we are faced with today's challenges, but faith lives expecting a better tomorrow. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Here's the thing. Faith sees what is not seen. What can you see today? What is happening in our country? Or can you see a better tomorrow? I know it's quite hard, eh? It's a hard one. But you, start, you need to start seeing it personally. Can you see a better tomorrow for yourself? I can't control government. I can't control what people do. But certainly can control what I do and can certainly try and help our church do what it does. But we can believe for a better tomorrow. But if we're only focused on today, we will pull each other down. We've got to focus on a better tomorrow. It is what we hope for. It's what we don't see, but we do see. Because you can't see it, but you can through faith. Dr. J. Oswald Sanders in his book, Spiritual Maturity, it's a classic. And you'll notice I often quote these books because I grew up on them and have read them. And it's good for the younger generation to read these great men. He says, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the as invisible as seen. See, faith is always looking to the future. It's looking to the other side of the lake, not looking at the storm. It expects the storm to stop. It expects a better tomorrow. It doesn't focus on the fact of the storm. It doesn't look at lack. It doesn't look at storms. It doesn't look at trouble. It doesn't look at the mood of the culture. It doesn't look at the financial situation or the interest rates. It looks across to the other side because Jesus said, faith sees what other people don't see. The American pastor who, wonderful man, he was anti-slavery, and you'll notice we quote him often, Henry Ward Beecher. He says, every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with a handle of anxiety or with a handle of faith. I don't know what you're facing at the moment, but maybe you're going to work tomorrow, and Monday, you have apprehension about Monday. Take hold of it with a handle of faith. Well, if they call me in and they're retrenching people, I'm taking hold of it with a handle of faith. God will take care of me. God is good and you'll be good to me. And I may have to face some trials, but God is in control. Or oh, I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. And you come down for prayer, pray for me. But you're so filled with fear, there's no faith to unlock the power of God. We've got to go into our tomorrows and expect a better tomorrow. The Bible speaks a lot about tomorrow. And you often find, you know, think of Jesus. Jesus was dead and buried, but tomorrow he will rise. <laughs> and he did. Isn't that true? And the Bible often talks about tomorrow as, a, as, a, as something to focus on rather than today. And 2 Kings 7 verse 1, we read about the, the, the famine in Samaria, and it was very severe. 
and uh, people were focused on today, and they were so negative about today that they couldn't see faith for tomorrow. And Elisha comes along, and he prophesies and points to tomorrow. And I want to read it to you. It says, Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a seer of finest flour will sell for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. They were eating dove's dung. And they're eating each other's children. That's how bad it was. And he's saying, it's, food's going to be so cheap tomorrow. And uh, the officer, it's, it's, it's education here is a problem. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should fly, open the floodgates of heaven, of the heavens, this could, could, sorry, could this happen? He says, you will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Listen to me, doubt will deny you God's provision. Faith will unlock God's provision, but you've got to believe in a better tomorrow. Get your eyes on tomorrow. Believe God. You remember when King Jehoshaphat was surrounded by the enemy, and maybe some of you have got enemies in your life right now, maybe enemies at work, enemies in your family. You've got to believe for a better tomorrow. You've got to pray in faith and stand in faith. Whatever battles you're facing, King Jehoshaphat was facing an enemy, and Jehaziel the prophet came and spoke to the king in two chronicles. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord I will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. You've got to face your enemies, and maybe your enemies are, face, are going to face you tomorrow, but God's got a better tomorrow for you. If you go in faith. You know, Joyce Meyer is one of my favorite Bible teachers. She said this, no matter what has happened to you in the past or what is going on in your life right now, it has no power to keep you from having an amazingly good future if you walk by faith in God. God loves you. He wants you to live with victory over sin so you can possess his promises for your life today. You can have an amazingly good future, but you've got to do it by faith. Faith unlocks a better tomorrow. Are you still with me this morning in Kailami? Are you with me? Are you receiving the word all the way over there? O spirit of rivers in Kailami. Number five, faith makes our dark places light up. You can go through a dark place, you can go through a storm, but faith will change the mood and the tone of it. It brings light Many of us, we have allowed our darkness to increase. We've allowed the mood of our country to depress us. We need a faith that brightens up everything. And when you find people speak faith, their hearts brighten. How many of you felt the mood in the room has brightened since we're speaking about faith? Paul Tenier, the late Swiss doctor and counselor and author, highly esteemed for his great work, he said, faith is not shelter against difficulties, but belief in the face of all contradictions. You can't stop the dark times coming, but in the face of it, it helps us live through dark times. And we, you know, we can go through dark places, hardships, but faith changes the mood. Margaret Sangster, the uh, wonderful hymn writer and author, she said, faith can put a candle in the darkest night. Are you going through a dark night tonight? You're wondering what to do? You're wondering who can help you? Faith. Lights a candle in our dark places. 
In fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul, speaking about this, explains how God can light up our dark places. He says, for God, who said, and he now quotes Genesis 1, let there be light in the darkness. He says, God said that in Genesis. He says, now, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the, faith of Je- in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So we have dark times. And we're fragile clay jars. But because of what Jesus says, there's a light there. And when you have faith and believe that Jesus lives in you, and that he died for you, and that he's on the journey with you, and that you're walking hand in hand with him, and he's promised you eternal life, a light shines. But I'm fragile. And I... Faith will light up the dark places. But it's faith that'll do it, not just positive thinking. And when you have faith, everything changes. You can overcome. You can come up with business ideas. You can come up with, you, you, you suddenly your whole world changes because you're starting to believe in faith. How many of you remember the great composer, George Frederick Handel, the German musician and composer? Uh, he, he went through great difficulties in his life. He had great talent, but he lost his health and uh, lost his money. Even had uh, his whole right side of his body actually was paralyzed and then his creditors came and having given him grace, they now arrested him and then wanted him in prison because of his debt. So he was in a very, very serious place and he felt deep depression and felt uh, like, like a darkness come over his life and uh, he despaired. But he sat down one day and began to reflect on his faith in God and he trusted God for his future. And out of that moment in time came the great, what we call the hallelujah chorus. Anyone know that? It's one of the greatest works, part of Handel's Messiah. It's one of the greatest works he ever produced. It's because he suddenly chose faith in the midst of darkness, and faith lit up that dark place in his life. Wonderful creativity can come out of your dark places when you have faith in God. Maybe you need a business idea. God can give you a composition of something that could come forth. Let's trust him to light up our dark places. Number six, you still with me this morning? Faith imitates until it is consistent. Faith imitates until it is consistent. What do I mean by that? Well, faith copies what it sees others of strong faith doing until its own faith is strong. But what our young people are doing, hear me all you young people who are on your phones all the time, because that's the channel that the devil uses to get into your head and your heart, into ours too as older people, but more so you because you've grown up with it. So I'm not picking on you, I'm just making a point here, is you've got to be careful that Satan does not come to you and bring you the examples of those who are deconstructing their faith. Oh, you see, the younger generation, it's not like the Apostle Andre and the old school yeah, we think through, you know, you, I don't know where it came from. I think it came from deconstructed hamburgers. They took the hamburger apart and then it became like a new thing. So you bought deconstructed hamburgers and then you bought, is it? You deconstructed other things. You, you, you had a wrap, now it was deconstructed. So the wrap lay in the plate and all the stuff lay on it. And it's like, decon. became like a, so now we've got decon, deconstructed Christianity. Deconstructed Christianity is just unbelief. It ain't got no glamour to it. 
We don't imitate that and go, oh, I can identify with that. We look at those whose faith is strong and we say, I don't quite know how to do it, but I'm going to do what they do. What do they do? Oh, I notice they sing. Oh, I notice they come every week. Yeah, but we've, you know, we want to hang out and, and there's, there's a gathering there and then there's a, what do they call those things? Insta meet. No, no, look at old school. What are they? They just keep coming. The Michael and Barbara sings always in the meeting in the front row. And, and, and sitting here attending, and, and, and if there's a meeting on Sunday night and they haven't got anything to do, they come again, because they know that they need to keep their faith strong. Imitate them, don't imitate those who are weak. And when you do, eventually you'll find your faith is strong. So you come, you sing, you give, you serve, and suddenly you find yourself strong in faith. See, Hebrews chapter 13 tells us this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then it's a strange verse. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he's saying there is the reason verses 7 and 8 are together is because your leaders have not been perfect, but they've been consistent. Like Jesus, yesterday, today, and forever, they will be here. They'll be preaching the Bible. They're not going to get drunk and sleep with prostitutes and then come back to church and then repent and then serve God. And then they're gone again. And then they're going to get divorced and they get remarried. They, they... So watch people who do that. See the outcome of their lives. Not perfect. They're not perfect people. But the outcome is success, fruitfulness, peace, and joy. I don't know how to do it. Well, copy them. And if you imitate, eventually it becomes yours. Faith imitates until it is consistent. So keep coming to church, stay planted, keep giving, keep trusting God. Don't, don't imitate failures, don't imitate cynical Christians. There are too many of them on the internet. And this is what they'll tell you. They even post on my Instagram sometimes. I used to also attend rivers, and I found there that. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Imitate those who are still here, who are still going. Look at our lives. Look at our lives very closely. Uh, examine your leaders. Are they taking church money and using it for personals? Are they? Now, it doesn't seem like it. I've been here for 30 years. I don't see that. Blaise Pascal, the wonderful French philosopher. Uh, by the way, he, he, these, these men are, are good to quote because they, you can learn a lot from them. Some of the young people need to read some of the old philosophers and Christians, because a lot of what we believe today has come from them. And he was the first one to coin that faith is not just of reason, it's of the heart. And he said this, he said, in faith, there's enough light for those who want to believe and enough shadows to blind those who don't. See, it's not that it's all negative, you make a choice. And I want to encourage you to imitate, look at someone, see their lives, not just us, other leaders in the church, other staff members, other connect group leaders, department heads, if they carry on and are consistent, you follow them because they are holding on. They're like Jesus yesterday, today, the same and forever. They're not drifting. And we've got to be careful we don't drift. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if you examined 100 people who had lost their faith in Christianity, 
I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? You want ever-increasing faith? Hang in there. Make God happy. Unlock the power of God. and Believe God for a better tomorrow. And watch your leaders and those around you and keep going until you find a faith of your own. Number seven. Faith always acts, giving God something to work with. See, faith is not just belief. It's not just gritting your teeth. It's, yeah, I believe, I believe. No, it's giving God something to work with. Faith and works go together. Let me remind you, James here says that, uh, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. See, we've got, to, we've, we've got to do something if we say we believe. You can't come to miracle offering and they go, oh, just trying to get money out of me. No, you've got to believe that God is good and then act on it by sowing something. Are you with me? And when you act, God's got something to work with. Think of all the great miracles in the Bible. God always had something to work with. And, uh, and, and, and faith says, I'll, I, I will do something and God will act with me. Uh, think of these miracles, the loaves and the fishes. That miracle wouldn't happen if someone didn't give loaves and fishes, if the disciples didn't hand it out. Isn't that true? The lepers in Samaria would not have found the camp on the other side and, 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 and been able to raid it and break the famine if they hadn't started just shuffling along. They did something small. God worked with it. Let me give you some more illustrations. A woman with the issue of blood, she took hold of Jesus. She hadn't taken hold, nothing would have happened. Ten lepers, you know, Jesus said to them, go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says, and on the way, they were healed. Remember, only one came back. Water into wine. Jesus didn't just say, you see those bottles of water there? <laughs> Look this way. Look back. <laughs> no, he could have done that. There's Valpre, now there's Cab Sav. <laughs> no, fill these jars with water. Who does something so dumb as to put water into a jar? Oh, it was the best wine. See, you've got you to do something. And action shows faith and brings miracles. A couple of more here. The blind man. Remember in John chapter 9, Jesus said, go wash in Siloam. And he went and washed and came back seeing. It wasn't the water. It was the faith and the action that happened. Let's leave it there. We need to act because when you act, things happen. Some of you are waiting for things to fall out of the sky. You need to get busy with the ideas God gives you. And sometimes he'll give you an idea and it will turn out to be a God idea. And you can pray and pray and pray, but you get a God idea. I'll tell you about a God idea I heard about that uh, this couple, John and Ann Till, they are two Brits and uh, they wanted to go on honeymoon on BA, but they didn't have money. So they raised 36,000 air miles and how they did it was they discovered that at Tesco, Tesco is like a, like a spa shop, you know, you buy there. They discovered that if you go and you use the machine there and you, and you put cans in it and cardboard and paper, you get points and then you get vouchers. And those vouchers can be turned into air miles. So they went every night after work and they collected rubbish. Then they discovered if you cut a can in half, how clever is this? You cut a can in half and you put each half in it, it's one point each. <laughs> they figured the system out. And people would go to the machines and the machines would be out of order and they'd just leave their recycling. They'd collect it and take it home until the machine was fixed and they went back. Listen, they eventually 
raised enough points and money, listen to this, they sailed on the Queen Mary to New York and were able to fly home business class from Atlanta after visiting Colorado and Nashville for their honeymoon. Faith's got to be accompanied by works. As I wrap up today, Dr. Ben Carson says, through hard work, perseverance, and a faith in God, you can live your dreams. I think it's time to build an ever-increasing faith. Can you say amen? Yearn in Kalami, it's time to keep growing our faith. Faith is powerful in the face of fear. We need to be growing our faith and overcoming. We need to rise above the fears that keep pervading us in our country and bringing us down. And I tell you what, when you begin to live in faith, you start to live in peace. You start to live in a strength that is almost supernatural. And it's time for us to make a decision. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.